0: Some years ago I was privileged to be at a, a, a party, a family celebration. The family had invited a number of friends for a, for a dinner and we were all standing as one does having drinks before dinner, greeting each other. And one person who was there was the sort of matriarch of the family, a woman who I loved dearly and respected greatly, uh, but who by this point in her life was getting creaky and her joints weren't good and a, eyesight was going and some of the connections were getting a little loose as well. And she was seated uh, as, as one is and everyone else is standing. And so people go, you know how it works, people go and take their turn, greeting her and crouching by the chair or kneeling by her and chatting and you sort of wait your turn and, and then get in line. So I took my turn and I went to see her and I was kneeling and, and by her and we were chatting along and no one came to take my place. And... <laughs> You know, all being very discreet and probably grateful. but I was, And it was a lovely conversation, but it was kind of going on. We were slightly running out of things to talk about. And so she, and nobody comes, and so she rather conspiratorially leans across to me and says, you're at All Saints, aren't you? And I thought that was sort of the premise of our entire conversation, but I said, yeah, indeed, I, I was. And she said, tell me, what do you think of Geoffrey? <laughs> And I confessed. I did not deny it. I said, well, I think he's marvelous, but then I would, wouldn't I? I I am Jeffrey. And she said, I I like him too, dear. And and we were literally saved by the bell. The the, the grace, grace, bell was gone, grace was said, and we went to dinner. I'll I'll come back to that story later. The point is, it's a good idea to know who you are and who you're not. And we've we've got a second week of John the Baptist here in John's version, uh, the fourth gospel's version. And what he really wants us to know is that John is not the Messiah, that John is somehow subordinate to Jesus. And that's, that's really, really important in a world where it probably wasn't entirely clear to everybody, certainly not to John's disciples. John baptized, John had disciples, and in fact, John was put to a violent death at the hands of the authorities. Uh, very, very similar in some ways to Jesus. It's not uh, absurd that the disciples might have thought he was the one in some way, shape, or form. Um, And so John really wants us to understand that that John the Baptist is not the Messiah. He confessed it. He did not deny, I am not the prophet. I am not Elijah. I am simply the herald. I'm the one who is announcing the one who is to come. The early church spent a lot of time wondering about Jesus and, and wondering about Jesus' uniqueness. And, saying, and we say in the creeds, he's the only son of God. Um, we talk about him being without sin. People struggle to get to this notion that Jesus is unique, not just in uh, degree, but in kind. That somehow there's something fundamentally different about Jesus and that that was very, very important to the church as it formed the boundaries of who we were and who we were not uh, along the way. It's, it's, it's difficult to get at because, because we also want to say Jesus is fully human and that there is no difference uh, when it comes to that aspect of his life. He's at the same time both fully divine and fully human. And any sermon that tries to get at the Incarnation more than that is going to go off the rails and be be likely to be about heresy at some level. But the way I get at it is to think of him as a man of absolute integrity, a man who in a compromised world, unlike the rest of us, somehow lived with complete integrity, the kind to which we might aspire, uh, even unto death. And that what made him different was not just that integrity, but also his death. It was different from John's in that it wasn't just a private matter, in a sense. It wasn't a family squabble. It wasn't done under cover of darkness. It involved trials, authorities, Jewish authorities, Roman authorities. It involved the public. It was a very, relative to the day, public death. And perhaps that's what it took, because part of what Jesus did in bringing about salvation, which means many things, but part of what he did was unveil or demonstrate or show the mechanisms by which we keep doing violence, and we keep creating scapegoats, and we keep putting people to death in one way or another out of anxiety. That underneath it all is some kind of anxiety, and we don't always need to know what the match was in order to recognize that the bonfire is going. Jesus came into a world, came into Jerusalem at the time of a festival, time of huge anxiety, lots of crowds, soldiers everywhere, wondering, soldiers wondering, how do we keep the peace? The religious authorities saying, let's not get things out of hand or they're going to shut us down and we won't be able to observe our religion. And Jesus starts crowds gathering, waving palms, all that business. And and somehow they decide... Inevitably, that he's going to be put to death. And in his trials, he says hardly anything. He won't even bless the system with a comment. It's, it's this silence that out of his integrity that leads inevitably to his death that somehow marks him as different. That at least part of what makes Jesus unique is the very very public manner of his death, the unveiling of the mechanisms by which we do damage to each other. The veil of the temple was torn in two. And suddenly, from now on, we can see. We can see what it is we do. So go back to my conversation with Julia when she said, what do you think of Jeffrey? We might might have dealt with the anxiety of running out of things to say differently. I might have said, what do you think of your daughter-in-law? You know? Or she might have said, what do you think of the bishop? Well, my goodness, we'd be off and running for ages <laughs> uh, and, and essentially triangulating in another person. And, and perhaps they wouldn't die because of that conversation, but we're doing a kind of violence out of anxiety. Uh, one of my great pantheon of saints, a man called Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you've heard me talk about him before, and he ran secret seminaries during the Second World War, and one of the rules. The community life in the seminary was, if you say something about a person who was not present, you are to go to them immediately and tell them what you said. Well, imagine, imagine running life like that. I mean, gossip is out. But Jesus not only shows, but also somehow makes possible the chance for us to live differently, to aspire to a kind of integrity, to set aside gossip, to choose not to do violence to choose not to create scapegoats, to choose to live with a kind of integrity that actually makes us more free, to live with a kind of courage, to live into the promises of the gospel. Jesus, if you like, unveils our sin to us and makes it possible for us to live uh, less sinfully, less destructively, less violently, and more hopefully. The polarization in our country at the moment is deep and profound, and I'm convinced that somewhere it's born of anxiety. I can't tell where, but I believe that the church, the people of God, who have been shown a different way, who aspire to a different kind of way, who aspire to some sense of the common good, who aspire to cease to do violence, to create enmity, to assign blame, to do all of the things that are destructive of human life and human well-being, that surely the people of God can start to find a different way, a different way of conversing, a way of challenging polarization, a way of inviting understanding, ways in which we don't have to get into our little huddles and our parties and complain about those people over there, whoever they are, the creation of enemies to manage our own anxiety. So, John wants us to know that John the Baptist is not Jesus. He's the one saying, Look, there's one coming into the world who's going to change things, who's going to make it possible for you to live differently without fear, without anxiety, who's going to say, Consider the lilies of the field. Why do you worry about what you will wear and what you will drink and what you will eat? You don't need to be governed by fear. Instead, You can aspire to wholeness, to integratedness, to a kind of of integrity that takes courage, but the result is freedom and hope. It is the promise that is going to be born again in us this Christmas. It is the promise of salvation. Let us respond to the gospel in silence and in prayer.